Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life one episode at a time here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful in what they do or extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives, those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. What is artificial intelligence? Have you ever wondered what AI actually is? Well, today we have with us Khaled El Dubeib, Principal Data Scientist at Pandata. He will be sharing with us what AI is, what's behind all the technology, and what it's like to run Pandata, as Cal is an entrepreneur and business leader himself. So I'm originally from Saudi Arabia, um, and today I run a small business called Pandata. It's a consulting firm that does data science, and we help organizations do really cool things with artificial intelligence to impact their bottom line. Okay, artificial intelligence. That is a hot topic right now, (laughs) right? It is, uh, what is it? It's 2019. I mean, with Siri and with all all this stuff, so what are you guys doing? in the game of artificial artificial intelligence? What we do as a firm is we, we help organizations build custom solutions. We help companies really understand um, where to get started with AI. And let me take a step back. I was reading the this survey that came out this past summer and um, more than two thirds of companies are already considering and piloting artificial intelligence, uh, particularly at the enterprise level. But what's really, really interesting is still the vast majority of them are failing at these initiatives. Um, AI is cool, we see it, we're so used to it, it's everywhere, we're used to personal assistance on our phones. Um, And so a lot of companies are trying to really tap into, well, what can they do to use artificial intelligence to impact their business? And the reality is um, there's not a lot of best practice. It's still the Wild West out there. So Pandata, really helps companies think about where is it going to provide value, what's the best practice, how do you get started, and what's really funny is the easiest thing in the process is the technology. Um, Oftentimes when we're talking to um, clients or or organizations, um, they don't even realize it's a data problem. And that's really where AI should be applied, right? You shouldn't be thinking about this as, this is the data I have, what can I do with it? It's here's the pain point I'm experiencing. how can I address this data? Do you, are you hands-on with the tech? So I'm a data scientist by training. Okay. Um, I was actually the um, the first data science graduate from uh, Case Western Reserve University. Really? Yeah. So I changed major, and I love sharing the story. I changed my major at least seven times. Really? <laughs> so you went. So you went to Case to do what? I was originally going to study um, public relations. Okay. Um, and so this was the switch of majors. There was. Public relations, political science, uh, cognitive neuroscience, um, geology, <laughs> computer science, systems engineering, and then uh, data science. So you knew science was your niche? After the first two transitions, okay. yes. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but, you know, I, I love sharing that because, I mean, I 
it sounds like, okay, now I'm doing one thing. I studied data science or I graduated with a degree in data science. I ran a data science company. But up until that point, it was a lot of trying to figure out what it was that I was doing. Right. And so you said you run this company. Yeah. So what does that entail? Um, I started this business while I was still in school, actually on the heels of another business that had failed. Okay. Um, that, so that's the way to the top, right? <laughs> you learn a lot. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today with Pandata um, if I hadn't learned from my first company. Um, so what's interesting is that, that your, your job description evolves consistently every three to six months in a growing company. Um, so the stuff that I'm doing today is not at all what I was doing a year ago. Um, so I constantly have to reevaluate, reinvent myself, look at my own job description, which is something that I actually put together uh, a couple of years ago and started tracking. Sure. Um, That's and- cool. In a, in a couple <laughs> of years, you can go back and look at that. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, because like, you know, when you run your own business, you have to hold yourself accountable. Um, no one's going to force you to write a job description. And so you have to have some sort of way of taking inventory of where you're spending your time. Um, how you're putting it to good use, and whether or not the things that you thought you were supposed to be doing are still relevant. Um, so today, what that looks like for me is we're, we're starting to grow. I have uh, two senior leaders at my company, one that manages the technical team, um, and then one that runs uh, marketing, HR, and operations, especially as a data science practitioner. Letting the reins go has been really, really interesting. Yeah. And so learning to focus my time on now, how do I lead leaders who are responsible for cultivating other people in the team? Um, How do I foster stronger relationships with um, customers and um, focus time on thought leadership, um, sharing the gospel of data science and and why that's important and best practice um, and starting to take Pandata beyond just the Northeast Ohio market. That's amazing. So you mentioned leadership. You're also training other people to be leaders in the subdivisions? So more like we're learning together. Uh, Except for our two summer interns, I am the youngest person in the company. Really? (laughs) And so um, I don't pretend to come to the table with more years of experience than the people working uh, with me. Uh, There's a lot of learning together and leveraging each other's strengths. Um, Leadership is less about training. Um, and more about um, inspiring others to be their best selves um, and introspect and learn together, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you don't have um, experience, years of experience to offer. What do you have to offer? If, a, if I'm 50, oh, that's a great question. If I'm 55 <laughs> and I just got hired for Pan Data, what? Why, why should I give you my ear? I want to phone a friend now. <laughs> I have really worked a lot on communicating. Um, I would say that that was the area I struggled with the most when I started my business, and that is the area that I've had to work on the most. Okay. Um, it's really, really important to be able to paint a picture, paint a clear vision, uh, communicate clearly, um, and operate with integrity, and not just like say that as a nice thing, but like um, be someone who does the things that they say they're going to do, yeah. Uh, be authentic. When you don't know something, say you don't know something. People respect that and appreciate that. Um, particularly when I'm working with people who are more experienced, I like to recognize that they are. I like to recognize where they have their strengths. Um, and it's not my job to be smarter than them. It's my job to create the best possible environment for them to do the thing they are the best at. Sure. 
And so um, when the people who work with me see that, you know, they, I've never had an, an age issue. Actually, I can't even remember the last time I've ever had that come up in a conversation. What did your family, friends, your parents, what did they, how did they feel when you changed your major seven times and then you finally started this one business after one failed? So I had disappointed my family in every possible way imaginable. I, <laughs> um, I left a full ride scholarship uh, from a company called Saudi Aramco. Okay. Um, not in the States. Not in the States. So I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia um, and I was fortunate enough um, to score well enough to be in the scholarship program where they um, they give you a full ride to a university that you're accepted at um, and a stipend and a guaranteed job when you graduate. Wow. Um, and now you have to be in a very, very specific major. Um, don't mind the major changing that I did. I like to break the rules clearly. Um, but <laughs> on, on requirement that you fulfill a very specific job they have in mind for you. So fast forward a few years, um, I'm doing this startup thing I put my meager life savings down into this this first business um, and uh, I ended up dropping out of the scholarship program um, and became a part-time student because I was an entrepreneur and that's what entrepreneurs do they leave school uh, so here I am no scholarship uh, down my savings this company had failed I don't have a college degree so check 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 every disappointment I could have possibly <laughs> been for my parents I was uh, so my my own confidence in myself was completely shook I had um, felt like a failure um, for all the reasons above um, Under and, understandably yeah and I actually started Pandata to pay the bills okay um, so you you knew it was gonna make money for sure. No, the way I turned this around was I had to build confidence in myself first. How did you do that? I really I took a step back. In fact, uh, to this day I don't use the title CEO. Okay. Um, I hate it. <clears throat> I actually ran away from the title, and I felt like I just didn't deserve that title. I really needed to focus on my skills. I needed to focus on you know um, building confidence in what it is that I can do. Um, and so over time, um, actually forcing myself to like remove this ego hat and just focus on creating value, um, I started feeling my own success with the way um, my clients were reacting to the solutions that I was delivering. And as Pandata grew from just me into a firm, and I started learning how to, again, I use the term lead leaders, um, and seeing them grow and, and do really, really um, amazing things. Um, I started to build a little bit more confidence in myself, and that was contagious. Um, people like to work with people who feel good about themselves. Um, my family could see it, um, and they even started um, celebrating me more when I was celebrating myself. Yeah. So, yeah. I set a new goal. So I've been traveling almost my whole life, yeah. uh, but I had never vacationed. Um, and so I had realized in 2017 that over the last two years I had been to two new countries I'd never been to before. And so then I said, I want to do this intentionally. Um, every year I'm going to go to two new, two new countries so that by the time I'm 50, I've seen 50 countries. There you go. Uh, so here I am. Uh, I did uh, 2018. I went to um, Lebanon, uh, the Czech Republic, and Germany. Wow. And this past summer I went to France and Sweden. Uh, can you do any business while you're there? Intentionally, no. Okay. <laughs> Intentionally, okay. no. This is all about self-development. Okay. And so I see myself on this journey, and sometimes it's kind of nice to put 
my identity as the business on pause yeah. and really figure out what I'm about. That's great. Okay, who do you look up to in the industry, in your life, when it comes to developing yourself? Who is Cal? Um, who, who are your role models? Plug to Hillary Mason, okay. uh, who is one of this country's top data scientists, who actually just came to Cleveland a couple of weeks ago to speak. Really? And I was so geeked. And I was fortunate enough that the right people decided to introduce me to her as she just before she went to speak and um, I had a chance to, to chat with her. So that's great. Um, I really look up to her thought leadership in the space. But aside from her, um, I've had a really, really great group of mentors here in Northeast Ohio. Too many to even name. Coming in as an inexperienced entrepreneur, I think hands down the number one thing that I did well was seek out advice, seek out mentorship, um, really listen. Um, not just coming in thinking I'm the best thing since sliced bread, in fact, quite the opposite, and taking the time to figure out how it is that I can leverage their years of experience and their wisdom um, to, to help improve myself. Wow, that's great. All right, so let's go back to uh, the AI world for a, for a moment. Where do you see it going, right? You're kind of you're kind of in it from a different perspective, right? Uh, myself and I'm sure most of the listeners are are in it from the consumer perspective, right? We we have an iPhone, we have uh, Android, we have right. Uh, there's a Google Home in, in my office, right? It's becoming more n- more normal. It's more of the norm now. Sure. Right. Where do we, where do you see it going? Are we going to have flying cars in a couple of years? Like, like where, where do you see it going from your perspective? That's a great question. So let me take a step back. Okay. All right. What do you call artificial intelligence? Right? Okay. So Okay, so yeah. So you might have to forgive my, igno- my ignorance. When no, I hear no, AI no. or artificial intelligence, I immediately think of Siri. Sure. Or Google or Alexa, right? So, I'm sure it's more than that, though. You know those memes where it's like, you know, what people think you do, what you actually do? Of course. Like, great AI equivalent here. Uh, AI is pretty dumb. Um and it's a moving target. Um, there's a, a joke that um, we call it AI um, if we don't know how it works. Uh, we've gotten so accustomed to things like autocomplete and autocorrect in texting. That is actually artificial intelligence. Really? It's not very smart, but it is AI. Artificial intelligence has been around for a while. Um, and I feel like it's overhyped in the media. Um, there's almost this uh, idea that it's only AI if it is Alexa and Siri. Okay. So what I think the next five years is going to look like is actually AI becoming very boring. Um, because of all this hype? That- well, not even, but it's going to start becoming more useful, right? You're so used to autocorrect and um, you know uh, autofill that like you don't even think about it. Um, AI is going to start permeating into automating some more nuanced tasks, um, in businesses, automating processes has become commonplace. It's the best way to become more efficient. Artificial intelligence is a way of saying, saying let's use some mathematics, let's use some data to make this automation a little bit more sophisticated and a little bit more intelligent so that it can react, reflect it to the situation uh, or appropriate to the situation. So what we're going to see is artificial intelligence automating some things that traditionally we thought only people could do. Like. Um, so, for example, um, some cool things that I'm seeing is call centers so um, or customer experience um, teams. Um, we worked on a couple of projects where we looked at a lot of qualitative feedback, so things people were saying in text, um, and used artificial intelligence to actually tag themes within that text um, and start to prioritize. So, you know, when you go to the App Store, 
um, you'll see something like a, a review or the, the top two reviews and I'll say said by 10 other people, right? Something like that. That's artificial intelligence at work. Um, so we did the same thing for surveys by customer experience teams and we were able to identify 10 to 11 different um, qualitative categories, things like nuanced like um, navigating the organization and um, finding information, stuff that might not be related to a specific keyword. And then we were able to prioritize the most relevant um, examples so that not only are you seeing things that were tagged, but it's like, okay, what are the most important things that are shared by the group? Um, stuff like that, right? That's not your Siri example, but that's actually quite useful for a customer experience team to start learning. And when you combine that with saying, well, let's look at the most relevant things people are saying about this department versus that department, um, you can start to accelerate learning within the organization. For sure. Do you use um, AI in your own business? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, actually, my my uh, <laughs> my team will call it my um, my AI. Uh, what do they call it? Therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I um I like to experiment with different things, and um, I recently uh, purchased a subscription that will mine data on someone from their social media profile. So think LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, whatever's publicly available about them. Yeah. And then do a personality index and then start making intelligent recommendations over this person, you know, cut straight to the point with them or with this person, add a nicer greeting, like ask them how their week was. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting way that I've started to um, apply it within the business. Uh, we don't have large enough data yet for us to do some of the custom stuff that we're doing. Um, but there's some really, really neat tools out there that you can leverage even within a small organization. So coming from the science background, do you ever create any of these algorithms that you would put into AI? Absolutely. So that's exactly what Pandata does. Okay. We, so you, cre you create it for other companies? Correct. Okay. Correct. Or if there's something off the shelf, we will help them find the right tool. Gotcha. That's very cool. Um, so it's really, really important, I think, for um, both consumers, but also for practitioners to when they say things like artificial intelligence, that they have a clear description. So and by artificial intelligence, this is what I mean. Okay. And you're right, because is autocorrect AI? You know, I kind of said that that was an example, but... Um, Why is it so hard to define? It's, it's nebulous, right? So when you talk about automating things that only humans could do, right? We constantly change our definition of what are things that only a human could do. Okay, does that make it challenging to be working in a field where, where what you're working on is constantly <laughs> changing? Right? Oh, yeah. It's a moving target. I think you said that before. It is. It is a moving target. Um, I personally like being in a space that's constantly evolving. It keeps giving me challenges. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I have to learn how to navigate. Um, but it's also, um, it's a really great time to be in this field because not only do you get to um, work on some interesting things, but you can help people start to define best practice. And that's what we do. That yeah. is why companies bring us in. And I said earlier in this conversation, the technology is the easy part. I stand by that. Uh, building an AI is easy. Doing data science is easy. Now, mind you, it, it is technically complex. Well, it's easy for you. <laughs> Mr. Scientist over here says it's easy. <laughs> if, you have the, if you have the education, it is easy. Right. The hard thing is actually navigating everything else around it from... Um, what is the business pain point that you're trying to solve, right? You could have a bulletproof solution that is solving the wrong problem and it's going to create no value. 
Um, that's one question. Another question is, how is it actually going to be put to use? Who's going to be benefiting from this decision or from this tool? And are they actually going to use it? Um, and navigating all of the organizational complexities around that. Wow. So I have a, a, actually a really good story. Um, we were working with um, this, this one technology company that uh, partners with insurance companies and um, their job is to identify individuals who could benefit from some subsidies. Yeah. Um, so this is no different from any sales team trying to qualify leads. Uh, we had a lot of uh, data on their, their health records and so we, you know, they already had a process that they were using, um, but their, their hit rate was rel relatively low. So um, wh what we started to look at was, okay, how can we train an AI to recognize these patients? Um, and we started to look at some of the data. We started talking to some of the operational folks who'd actually interviewed patients. This was a little bit novel, right? You're, you're talking about data scientists, right? We should be looking at the data. No, we've yeah. gone to the field. We've talked to the people who are talking to the patients. What's going on here? What we learned was that this um, approval process uh, varied by, significantly by county uh, because different judges interpreted the laws differently. So the same patient who has certain conditions and a certain history might get approved in one county and not another because of how judges interpret these cases. So what we were trying to predict here, or build an AI around, wasn't just identifying do they have the condition, but will they get approved even if they have con the condition? So that statement right there was pivotal in the project. We were then able to go back into our data world and build a model that did just that. And we were actually able to help them identify 30% more people. Wow. Yeah. That's they're, they're able to increase the revenue by 30% using this new model. Wow. Uh, because it takes that into consideration. Now, we also built a more sophisticated model, but if we had built it on the wrong target, we wouldn't have been able to get that result. So that's one challenge. Another challenge is, okay, so who's going to use this, right? Is it the person that's sending out the mailing? Is it the person talking to the patient? And from their point of view, what's going to be useful? How do they want to see this number? How are they going to trust it? Right? Because you're in these situations all the time where you look at something and you're like, eh, like, think about the weather, right? I don't even look at the weather app anymore in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I'll, I'll use it as a rule of thumb, but like, if you don't trust something that you're making a decision off of, it makes it kind of pointless. I really believe that artificial intelligence should enable human intelligence. Yeah. So, not to take over us. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not the point at all. In fact, it's too dumb to do that. Have you seen Sophia? No. Okay, she's that this mean, creepy robot that's got like a human face that kind of has comedy. Yeah, it's like, it's, it gives everybody the shivers. Yeah. That's just not the state of artificial intelligence. Those situations are very, very canned. Yes, she is having a conversation. Yes, she's animated and translating the words that are coming up into a voice box. But it's very, very narrowly defined parameters of a conversation. Um, she, you can't, she can't go off on a tangent. No, she can't go off on a tangent. She can't be creative. Um, there are some early uh, examples of AIs uh, trying to be creative, and I urge you to look up cat drawings by an AI to just see how bad it is. Okay. I'm a terrible artist, and I can still do better than that. So AI that isn't built in the service of humans ultimately fails. Right, so when you talk about... Um, some of the examples I've been talking about, like AI in a call center, AI within a sales team. Um, if 
people can't benefit from it to make better decisions and they don't trust it, they don't understand why it's important, you're never going to use it. And yeah, that AI might be smart, but it's going to be put on a shelf somewhere and not see the light of day. Um, so AI that is built in the service of humans can make humans better at their jobs. Um, it's unlike industrial automation where it's like, okay, we now have, well, actually, no, it's kind of the same, right? You have automation where no longer people have to actually use their hands to build things, but you need people to babysit the machines. AI is going to become the same way. You're going to have to have people care for the AI, making sure that it's making the right decisions, or it's going to do 80% of the work and prioritize things that then a human can take and act on. So the computer inside of a Tesla, is that AI? It's got a lot of artificial intelligent components, okay. um, but it wouldn't just be one AI. Okay, okay. So I guess the key is, like, you were asking, like, is AI going to take over? Uh, the reason why you still have to sit behind the wheel in a Tesla and self-driving cars that are actually being piloted in Pittsburgh have to have a person in them at all times, like the self-driving uh, Ubers. Um, they have a person driving, sitting behind the wheel, not actually driving, and then they have a monitor. Um, it's because these systems are not truly intelligent yet. They can, they are automated and um, have the intelligence to handle a wide variety of situations, but they can't handle all situations. And the risk of a car crash yeah. or something like that happening because I mean, it, we've heard it in the news. Well, like the one case where it drove through a truck because it recognized it as snow or something like that. I, I forget what the circumstances were, but like instead of doing the right thing and saying, oh, that's a truck, I've got to stop, it plowed right on through. Um, the reality is there, there's a lot of uncertainty um, when it comes to artificial intelligence and this vision of a, uh, an all-powerful AI that people feel like from, you know, from seeing things in movies and whatnot, it's just not here today. Gotcha. And that's not even that's not even the point of it. No. Okay. What advice do you have for a young I know you hate the term young CEOs, but <laughs> people who are trying to do what you're what you're living, right? The lifestyle you're living. People who are just starting out right there in college, they don't know what they want to major in or they they dropped out of school to run with an idea. What uh what advice do you have for them? You've got to develop a tough skin. Um and it's, it's not about ego, right? You wanna, you've got to try to do things. Don't let fear get in your way. Um, if you're too afraid to take chances and if you're too afraid to, to try new things, you're, you're never going to learn what works and what doesn't work. So that's really important. Um, but also be willing to get feedback. Um, and not just from one person, from multiple people. Um, and try not to be so defensive. Um, the best way that I've been able to learn to, to build this business is by listening to customers, right? Um, what they like, what they don't like, and then using my own experience to understand, like, is that a valid thing that I can create value around? Is that relevant? Is that not relevant? How can I, I pivot around that? And so um, I'm frequently in conversations where like, I'm told that my ideas are stupid. <laughs> and right. that's okay. Right. That's okay. Same of the game. Uh, yeah. So I have no issue at all with that. And I've, I've grown a lot because of that. So the two things, you know, um, don't, don't be afraid to try new things. And don't be afraid to, to hear that your child's a little ugly. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when Monday rolls around, um, I'm sure at the beginning you've had a Monday where you just you weren't looking forward to classes. You weren't looking forward to go to work. How do you snap yourself out of that? Um, I try to sometimes run in the morning. 
Um, it's a great way to de-stress um, and it kind of gives me a rush of energy. So I have this new mantra uh, that I've been trying to remind myself, particularly when like it starts to feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again on the hamster wheel. I remind myself that my job is to make myself irrelevant at my business, which I think applies both to entrepreneurs and also other folks within organizations, right? You can only move up if you, you know, find a way to keep your job satisfied. So I go to work every day and I try to remind myself, your job is to make yourself irrelevant. So what are the most important things for me to do today to meet that goal? And am I doing them? So building a business to succeed means that you can build it to run without you. Um, and if you can build it to run without you, meaning your core business, the revenue is growing without you, people are growing without you, that puts you in a really, really powerful position where you're not on the hamster wheel. When you're not on the hamster wheel, you can do really important things like think about, okay, what are some weaknesses? What are some strengths? What are some opportunities to, to strategically pivot or grow um, without having to be dragged down in the day-to-day? So today at Pandata, I mean, the reality is I still have to review our contracts. I still have to look at our employment agreements. I still have to deal with um, insurance and managing customer relationships. And that leads very little time for me to do things like research, evolving practices in the field, explore new markets, take a trip to a new city and try to build a book of business. Um, so building the business or, or, or you know going to work with the premise of making myself irrelevant to the business is less about me wanting to just go in and catch a grab a paycheck it's more about what are the things that i can do to allow myself to really focus on providing unique value to the company aside from developing uh, tough skin what advice would you give your younger self when he was switching from majors and trying to figure out what he wanted to do what would, you, what would you tell little Cal? <laughs> Sometimes I want to go back and hug younger me and say it's going to be okay. <laughs> I, You know, advice that I would have liked to have had. Um, I don't regret a lot of things. One thing I do regret is underestimating the importance of um, empathy um, and um, understanding uh, pain points. So I used to go in thinking, oh, technology is amazing and you can do all these things with it. I'd get so enamored by the technology that I wouldn't stop to think, hey, let me talk to some people who are actually going to benefit from this. Um, how do they perceive it? How do they feel about it? How would they use it? Um, developing that intuition then, I think I would have been a little bit further along today. That's awesome. Cal, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Here are some great takeaways from today's episode. One, develop a tough skin early on. Two, learn from multiple people, not just one source. Three, try to not be on the defensive all the time. Four, think about your strengths and your weaknesses to strategically grow. And five, what are the most important things for me to be doing today to help me meet my goals? Hey guys, thanks for listening. This was a real interesting episode of Maverick Mondays, but if you truly want to grow and become the best version of you, and yeah, I mean the best version of you, listen to the episode again, take some notes, review the lessons throughout the day, let them sink in. This is a great way to achieve success and forge a positive attitude, the kind that will break us out of some of the most unmotivating Mondays. Thank you for joining us.